And so uh, it would have been 20 cents for that piece of pie instead of 15 cents. Because a large Coke was 10 cents. Uh, the cup of coffee was, I think, 10 cents. A small Coke was 5 cents. I went through all these things. And a piece of pie was uh, 15 cents, I think it was. With, and then the, uh, the, with ice cream, pie with ice cream was 20 cents. And so as I looked at that, here's the thought that came into my mind. The value of anything is what someone is willing to pay for it. The value of anything, because if you bought that same thing today, if you went out today and you really were hungry for a hamburger, a piece of pie, and a large Coke, anybody that way right now? Uh, a hamburger, a piece of pie, and a large Coke, uh, you know, you'd probably, now you could go to McDonald's again and get it cheap, I suppose, but, but if you got a real hamburger and, uh, and you got a real piece of pie and you got, and, you know, a real Coke, you would, you, 10, 12, $15, you know, uh, I, you know, I try to remember some of those places where you get that, you know, we went to eat someplace over there that, you know, makes those real, really nice hammer. I couldn't remember what it was, uh, but you know, that, that's going to cost you a pretty penny. And, but you know, when you really want that big, nice grilled hamburger and a nice piece of pie, you're willing to pay for it. You pay it. And so, so I was just, as I was looking through that, that's the thought that came to me. And then that took me to Matthew 16, 24 through 26. And then, and then also a parallel passage, and if you want to look at it in your pew Bible, is uh, page number 47, but it's Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And I'm excited about having these. We've got 100 pew Bibles. And so uh, we're going to be, you know, we'll finally get them all stamped and out here and, and have them all in. So it's really nice. I'm, I'm really excited about that. So some, you know, everybody in here can always get one and turn to, to the scripture. But Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, this is talking about his, right there, this present, what we call the temporal life. This is what he's dealing with right here. He says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So both these books of, Bible, uh, of the Bible, Matthew and Mark, both stated virtually identically. He says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, sounds like where we are today, God could be asking us that right now. Uh, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot in here, and as I began to study it, honestly, I, uh, this morning I was working back through it, and I was deleting things because I thought, man, I've just got too much, and it's going to end up being a, another message, uh, you know, possibly. Uh, but, but here's the question that out of all that that just kept just beating me up as I kept looking at this is this question that he asked, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The question in my mind, how valuable is a soul? What, you know, the first thing we got to determine is what is the soul? And, and we'll talk about that a little bit. It says, but 
what is the real meaning behind the scripture is as I kept looking at that. You know, so often we look at a passage of scripture and for years and years, we just, you know, we kind of, again, and I say this often, we kind of glaze over it and we realize and we think that, okay, it, it definitely means, okay, this is talking about eternity. If you live your life in such a way that you, you go to hell, I mean, what have you gained? If you, if you were a billionaire and die and go to hell, what have you gained? And understand the truth is in there, but there's so much more in this passage. So what we're going to take a look at is this saving and gaining and losing of our life, our soul. Now, number one, we must recognize that eternity and the gospel were under attack then, and it's under attack now. But in Matthew chapter 6, verses, uh, if you begin at verse 21, that's the first passage we looked at, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. It says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So he's telling them that I'm going to have to die for the world. I'm going to be crucified and, and, and I'm going I'm to die. He said, verse 22, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an, an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that, thou be, that, that be of God, but those that be of men. You see, this is so important. Peter unknowingly, here as a follower of Christ, Peter was taking the side of Satan. So when he rejected the death of Christ, when he rejected the fact that Christ was going to die, when he fought against that, he was in reality taking the side of Satan. He was attacking the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was, he was trying to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that's, that's satanic. And that's what Satan's trying to do today. He's trying to dilute it. He's trying to misconstrue it. He's trying to change it. But listen, if there's no crucifixion, then there's no resurrection. And if there's not a resurrection, then there is no salvation. And see, Jesus, that's why he looked at him and said, now wait a minute, you get behind me. He didn't say, Peter, you got a bad attitude, or Peter, you're not thinking wrong, right? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because he knew where, Jesus knew exactly where that statement was coming from. He knew where that spirit and that attitude was coming from. So here we go. He says, the, uh, the reality is, is that the acceptance of the crucifixion, when we accept this crucifixion, and, and Peter did, when we accept this crucifixion, only then can God now come to us with the opportunity for a decision. You see, if we are to accept that Jesus must go to the cross, that's what Peter, Jesus said, no, 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 don't think that way, Peter. You get there behind me, Satan. Uh, I've told you what's going to happen. And, and now he's about to go further, now explaining some things to Peter. But if we accept Jesus must go to the cross, then we must turn from our will to his. And that's what Jesus is describing to Peter. He said this, you're not, you're not talking about the will of God, you're talking about the will of man. And you see, 
Uh, this was Peter's struggle. He was struggling with, with his will over God's will. And we see this clearly in verse 23. He says, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me. Now remember, we studied that word offense as a stumbling block to me. He said, For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Listen, Peter, you're thinking with the will of man, not the will of God. You're desiring the way man, you want things to be the way you, you want us to have a relationship on this earth for another few years or, or for another 50 years. You want us to have, let things continue the way you want it to be, but that is not God's will. So then there comes this commitment Jesus desires of us when he, he presents this to us and he, he looks at Peter and he says, now, now, you, you're not thinking right. You need to have God's will, not your will, for, because he's going to ask for a commitment now. Look at verse 24. He said, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So he's saying, Now, Peter, you've got to understand, you've got to yield to my will, to God's will, not your will. And he said, now, if you truly yield to my will, it's time to you put feet to this whole thing. It's time to you begin to demonstrate it. It's time for you to do something about it. So he says, then he said unto his disciples, any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works." See, he was letting Peter know that, Peter, there's going to be a, a point where your decisions in this life will affect your rewards in another life. The decisions that you make. Now, I hope you all hold on. This is all foundational, and I hope you can stick with me. The, this leads us to the reality of saving or losing. To save your life is to hold on to your own will and your desires. So often when we read this, and so often I read it, you, you think about somehow this is a, all about eternity, all about uh, whether I go to heaven or hell. But in reality, this passage in context is, is I think it's dual, but, and we'll get to that in a second, but, but, but I think it's more about the temporal life. He's talking to Peter about how you're living and the decisions you're making right now. This is why it's, listen, in this passage, this is why he said, lose his own soul. This is why Jesus said, lose his own soul, because he's talking about right here and right now. This is what happened, uh, this is what was happening to Peter when he rebuked Jesus. Peter was refusing to die to his will for the will of God. Uh, now, honestly, this is happening every day to a multitude of Christians. And I'm not talking about the lost world. I'm talking about a multitude of Christians. And I believe primarily that this, these, this passage, since he's talking to Peter, who's one of his disciples, who's one of his followers, he's not talking to a lost man. He's talking to a man who's already trusted him. 
So here's what, but we have a multitude of Christians. Uh, when offered the value of their soul, here's what they settle for. They settle for a drink. Just a drink. And you know what they're saying? That's how much I think my soul's worth. A pill. Just to take a pill. That's how much my soul's worth. Maybe a position or an investment or an inheritance or a habit. Honestly, a wife or a husband or a child or an illicit relationship or power or authority. We have, honestly, there are so few, if any, in our leadership, it seems today, in our nation that live by principle. It's all about continuing to have power. Power, authority, opportunity. Do whatever it takes to have an opportunity. You see, the world is so enticing for it calls so loudly to our eyes, our ears, our hearts, listen, our souls. The, the world is always coming. Every day of my life and your life, listen, Satan is in some way coming and saying, listen, I, I want to buy your soul today. I want to purchase your soul today. And Jesus said, what is the value of a soul? He said, what would you, look, is there anything that you would sell your soul for? But the truth is that Satan is coming every day of our life. And he, and he presents uh, some uh, video. He presents some movie. He presents some, some uh, opportunity. He sends some temptation. He, sent, he presents something. And what he's really saying is, here it is. Will you sell your soul? Will you sell your soul to me? And what I'm trying to get to is how valuable is your soul to you? If we lose our will for the will of God, for the will of Christ, we can then and only then be truly alive. For we are then alive in Christ. This is where we see that the Spirit, you know, of course, the spirit needs salvation, but the soul, the word that's used for soul or the word that, that the word soul comes from is the word psyche uh, of a man must come to a salvation also. You see, the spirit receives salvation, but the psyche, the soul has to come to a salvation. But it's not a, you see, the spirit is one time you get saved. One time I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. One time and I'm saved for all eternity. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm saved because if he gave me eternal life, anything short of that wasn't eternal and it was a lie. You understand that? If God gave me the gift of eternal life, he's not, he's not going to take it back. He's not going to snatch that gift back. He's not going to steal that gift. And if, it, if I die one day shorter, if I don't live all of eternity, that was a lie. Anybody understand it? Can I get an amen somewhere? Thank you. And so, I, but now listen, our soul, it has to get saved every day. Every day. 
You're saying, what do you mean? <laughs> I got to salvage my soul from the tempter that's trying to buy my soul. I've got to look at him and say, no, you're not getting my soul. You're not getting me to make that decision today. I'm not going to take that because you're trying to buy me because I know once you get me, you've enticed me to sell you my soul. You have put your hooks in me. Does anybody understand where I'm going here? Peter, I believe, had accepted Christ as the Messiah, and his spirit was saved. But now he came to the moment that his soul must agree with God, the moment when his will had to die. This, the soul will exist eternally. Do you understand that? This, you know, there's a lot of debate about that, but, but the, the fact is I don't, I don't debate over things that God speaks clearly about. Okay, so the soul will exist eternally. The issue is where and how. Now, verse 26 says, for what is a man profit? I've read this several times. But what is a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's so many people that, that are living their life for wealth, living their life to make more. You ever, you see some of these people, some, he's worth a billion dollars. How could he spend that? How can he? They're not getting it to, to, to live off of. They're not getting it because they need it. They're getting it because they have sold their soul to get more money. They just, that's all they're consumed with is getting more money. Now, in this passage, though, it says, What shall it profit a man? What is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what is, shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Then he shall reward every man according to his works. Now, this would appear to be a twofold application context, and I'm going to try to break it down a little bit. In the, in the eyes of man, it is, it is, really has always been about what are your worth? In the eyes of the world, the, in essence, is how much material profit can you make in a lifetime? And that's how valuable you are. How much can you acquire in a lifetime? And again, it makes no sense because, uh, okay, acquire everything. Acquire the whole world in your lifetime. Guess what? You just lost it the moment you take your last breath. It's not going to go with you. You know, as they say, there, there are no U-Hauls following in the, you know, behind the hearse. Nobody's hauling their stuff with them. If they are, they're in for a rude awakening. But now, if a man lives for man and gains all the wealth of the world but loses his soul, his soul has never been salvaged by God. Then all he has done, everything that he does in his life, even as a, listen, as a Christian, is wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn up. And, and watch this. This is another thing that we don't realize. It's going to burn up in eternity. God's saying, he, he said, look, uh, that, this talking about when we stand before God in the judgment seat of Christ, he said all these works, there's some that are wood, hay, and stubble, and there's, uh, there's some that are gold, silver, and precious stones. But, but And those gold, silver, and precious stones don't burn up. Wood, hay, and stubble just burns up. But can, what we, we, we don't understand is, is this, I think, don't realize, is that when we live that way, when, when we sell our soul while we're living, everything that's of any value is burning up now. 
Everything of real value is burning up right now. Do you, you understand? When my, <clears throat> and I've said this for years and years, when we were rearing, rearing our girls, we didn't have anything. I, I, I may mention, you know, my first year at the college, I made $10,600 a year. Uh, a year later, I took over the sailor ministry, and they increased me to thirteen six. And so, uh, uh, Ben, I'm, I'm in the big money now, you know? I'm making money. I got six kids. I'm making $13,600 a year. Do you understand that we didn't have everything everybody else had? But I'm going to tell you this. We had everything we needed. We didn't starve to death. We didn't really do without anything. We, we found some way to make everything work. If that meant, if that meant putting, uh, you know, having one bathroom and, 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 and six girls trying to get in and out of it and putting a counter in the hallway, amen, which I did. I put a counter in the hallway with a strip there where they could all plug in. You know, it was like a spider web of curling irons and blow dryers. And I, I remember one time Tara was walking, and she was only about, about five years old or something, and I, I was sitting and reading in the room, and all the girls were in there getting ready, and all of a sudden I hear gasping. I was like, ah, ah. And I thought, what in the world? And I looked down the hallway, and Tara was hung up in all the cords, and they had one around her neck, and, it, and she was, had her leg tangled up, and she was around her neck. She was trying to get through there, and the girls didn't care. They were just pulling tighter, you know. <laughs> now, we didn't have everything everybody else had. But you see, and I say this so many times, today I have everything everybody else wants. I mean, when you really come down to it, all you want, you, you should desire is that your children love God and love you. Amen? Now, this seems to be the best part of the thought when, when we consider the context as, as we read. Verse 24 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. This passage is addressing the temporal life primarily. Yes, it has an internal uh, application before it's going to conclude, but primarily the temporal life. You know, we see that it's also addressing the eternal life. Verse 7 says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. So we, we see it's gonna, it, it has something to do with the eternal life, but there's a lot of this passage is doing with temporal life. And the, this statement, eternal rewards, not eternal life, will be determined by how the Christian lives his life for self or for God. You understand, how you live doesn't determine whether you have eternal life. It determines whether you have rewards in eternity. Now, I don't think I cut out enough stuff today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 11 through 15 says, For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, you understand? You have a foundation in Christ. That means a Christian. You have a foundation in Christ. And he said, you can build upon that foundation, and everybody does. Everybody's going to build something upon the foundation that, that started, that was laid when you trusted Christ. But here's what it says. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble 
Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I hate to get to heaven and all I got left is nothing. But that's where we are in Christianity a lot. Of course, we keep making decisions that in effect are one more day selling our soul, our psyche. What makes us who we are? Understand that your soul and your spirit are both eternal, but your salvation comes through the spirit. The condition of your soul will affect the, the way you may spend eternity, but not where. Christian, Christian Lewis, about an eight, uh, eight years old, mentioned that her mother's birthday was soon approaching. I asked her if she was, and this is the illustration, I asked her if she was going to make a birthday card on her father's computer. She said, no, if you make one on the computer, they don't keep it on the refrigerator as long as if you make one yourself. You see, it's the same thing. It's a birthday card or it's a, you know, it's a card for mom and dad, but, but the value of it, is changed and 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 so and and the value of it changes by your work your your investment into it what we do and and, and is what we do or why we do what we do is as important as doing what we do now there's a fallacy for a long time of saying you know i don't care why that you do the right thing i don't care why you do it just do it and look i i, I agree that we ought to do the right thing regardless even in our weakest moment our, 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 our most struggling state but i'm gonna tell you this it is very important why you do what you do We have our soul now, that which makes us who we are. And Revelation makes us clear that this soul will be in heaven. Revelation 20 verse 4 says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. Okay, listen, God says the souls are there. And so our souls are going to be in eternity. Once our spirit is regenerated by the Holy Spirit, our spirit will live forever. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, this, is, this is all foundational. It helps us understand uh, verse 26. For what is a man profited? And I'm going to have to, to skip through everything, everything I got. But our soul has temporal value and it has eternal importance. You understand that? Our soul has temporal value, but it also has eternal importance. We should be willing to let all else go for the sake of our soul. Our soul is greatly affected by the decisions we make. That is our soul. That's, that's who we are. The decisions we make determine who we are. The condition of our soul determines our temporal life, and it will determine the rewards of our eternal life. Do you, really, do you truly realize how much your soul is worth? And that's where we're coming to. How much your soul is worth? It's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. Or it's worth whatever we're willing to sell it for. Now we know that many are willing to sell their soul and sell it cheap. 
But we can't determine what everybody else does. But the question is, what is your soul worth? How much is it worth? Would you trade your life with God and for God for the riches of the world? Now, here's what's so sad. Sadly, I believe many of us would and do. Because we said we wouldn't, but we make so many compromises when the temptation comes. When it's an opportunity to get rich, when it's an opportunity to get set. Let, let me just put it. This is probably a really bad question. No, I better not do it. Uh, <laughs> but if there is a chance that anybody in here thinks that, that gambling is not wise, or maybe there's not, uh, you think that gambling is not wise, and you think that gambling is wrong. You know, to me, you know, scripturally, I, could, I think I can prove it to you. The, the Bible is very clear about it. But, but, uh, but even the person who knows it's wrong, knows that it, it's... Do you know why they have casinos? It's not so that you can go there and get rich. It's so that they can get rich. So let's think now. They're probably going to win more than they're going to lose. Does this make sense to you? And all that good hard money, that, you know, hard work you did to get that money, you're going to hand it over to them. That doesn't make sense. Okay, barring Scripture, that doesn't make sense to throw that away. Now, I'm just a little bit stupid. I like to eat. Okay? Then I get my money. I'm going to make an investment in God and an investment in my stomach. Okay? Those are my two major investments. I want to invest in those two things. But let me just say, if you think that it's wrong, it's stupid, it might be even, and I think I'm just doing this as an illustration and trying to be very dis wisdom and discretion, it might just even be a sin. Okay? If you think those things, here's the real question. If you knew that you could walk in there today and you would win a million dollars. You knew it. Would you do it? If you knew buying a lottery ticket was wrong because it's nothing but just another form of gambling and you're, you know, you need gas money, you need food money, but it's going, you know, 20 bucks is going all these tickets that I have to wait in line to get my, because they got to scratch them off. All right. Am I offending anybody? The, um, 
If you knew and you really believed that was wrong, but if you knew today that ticket you buy is going to win you $100,000, would you buy? I know you're saying, well, yeah, because it wouldn't be gambling if I knew it. If I knew it. (laughs) But see, that's what we convince ourselves. We convince ourselves, I I just know I'm going to win. I know I'm going to. Or I just know that when I take this drink, it won't affect me like somebody. Or I just know that when I pop these pills, it's, it's not going to affect me or hurt me. I know it's hurt other people, but it's not going to hurt me. And so what we do is we sell our soul. You say, well, man, you're talking about a million dollars. No, I'm talking about your soul. And God said, what? That the profit of man, if he gains the whole world, not a million dollars, the whole world. But he had to pay his soul to get it. I think that ought to affect our decisions a little bit. What is your soul worth? The story is told of a man who loved old books. He met an acquaintance who had just thrown away a Bible that had been stored in the attic of his ancestral home for generations. And he said to the friend, I couldn't read it, so I don't need it. He said, uh, somebody named Guten something had printed it. And the guy, the man who loved the old book said, you don't mean Gutenberg. And the, Bible, uh, the, the man said, I don't know. But he said, I don't think it's worth anything anyway. And the, fella, the other fellow said, well, you don't understand. If it's a Gutenberg Bible, he said, I've heard of one of those that sold for $2 million dollars. And this guy didn't even hesitate. He said, well, mine wouldn't have been worth a dollar because some guy named Martin had scribbled all over it in German. <laughs> and if you don't catch that, that's Martin Luther. Had scribbled it all over in German. You see, it's amazing, but we don't realize how valuable our soul is. And Satan's convinced us, really, we're not worth much. That's what he's done. He's just told us that you're not worth much anyway. You're not going to do much. You're not going to accomplish much. You're not going to get much done. You're really not important to anybody anyway. So he says, sell me your soul cheap. And we say, I'll take it. If the value of a soul, I just want you to understand how important 
we are and how valuable we are. If the value of the soul is what somebody's willing to pay for it, then our soul, your soul, my soul, is more valuable than all of creation, all of the world, all the wealth of the world. Our souls are more valuable than the angels themselves. Our souls were paid for by the Son of God. Christ lived, was beaten, bled, and died to purchase, yes, our eternal life. To make our spirit alive forever. But do you understand, the soul was coming with it. He also saved our soul. And he's given us the opportunity for salvation in this life as well as for our soul to live forever. And he did that by living, being beaten, bleeding, and dying. That was the ultimate price. A life for our soul. The life of Jesus Christ for our soul. You're God's masterpiece. The question is, will you appreciate his masterpiece or will you neglect it? Will you protect God's masterpiece or will you allow it to be destroyed? It depends on the choice you make for your soul. The choice you make in your soul today, beginning today. What choice will you make? Some here need to finally turn loose of your plan of salvation and turn to God's simple plan. Some here need to turn loose of your plan of success and trust God's plan. So the question is, what is your soul saying right now? Peter, you're thinking will destroy you. Satan is destroyed, so you're thinking of Satan. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, because your thinking's from Satan. So he said, Peter, your soul needs to be saved, needs to be salvaged. And that's where we are today. Our souls need to be saved, need to be salvaged. Father, I pray that you please bless us. And Lord Jesus, I... I pray that it would be made clear and understandable to our people. And Lord, this is virtually all of our regular people. Father, I pray, please, that we as a, as a people, but I, it, it can only happen as individuals, that we will make decisions to protect our soul. That every time Satan tries to...